It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Shauna's back. Welcome back, Shauna. Thank you so much. And if you're wondering, like, back from where, where'd Shauna go? Last week, Moody Radio sent me and three other colleagues to Mumbai with India Partners. We left on Monday. We arrived at the hotel at, like, 2.30 a.m., and they're like, okay, here's your room key. Be downstairs ready for breakfast at 8 o'clock. And they said, we'll be back at the hotel around 5 o'clock. I'm like, okay, here we go, right? Well, we didn't get back to the hotel until, like, 10.30 so it's a long full day. And then we did that again on day two. And then day three, we actually got back at the hotel around 730 at night. But that was only because we needed to pack up and be ready to head to the airport because we had a 125 a.m. departure flight. So it was three incredibly full days. And I got to tell you, my heart is so full, so full. It was amazing. And I'm so grateful for the time that I had there. Um, the purpose of our visit was to visit ministry that's working to bring an end to sex trafficking. And I asked before we even left, I'm like, how do we prepare ourselves for what we're going to step into? You know, how how do we be spiritually ready for the experience that we're going to have? And I was told that there are often spiritual attacks in regards to these trips, attached to these trips in some way where either someone on the trip gets sick or someone, a family member back home has some kind of crisis, something to divert your attention away from what God called you to in going to Mumbai in the first place. So they kind of warned us, be, be praying into that. And I did. I asked you to pray for me. Thank you so much. If you're part of the prayer team, I just want to thank you for that. And I got to tell you, um, we had... I did everything I could to be spiritually ready and having people pray for me. But along with the awareness of the spiritual warfare that was going on, there was also a little bit of fear for me. Sure. I didn't know what I was going to see, where I was going to be. And if, well, first of all, I was concerned about my family, you know, all this talk about spiritual attack and what's going to happen to my husband or my kids while I'm gone because I've chosen to step into such a dark place. And then I was also fearful for myself, for the things that I would experience, but also for my personal safety. So when we got to the hotel, I was getting ready to go to bed. I was exhausted. It was, you know, 30 some hours of travel and I'm laying there in bed and I'm just like, Lord, please keep me safe. Please keep me safe. Please keep me safe. And of course we were in a really nice hotel. I was, I was safe and where I was staying, but I ended up picking up the chair, like the office chair that was in front of the desk and picking it up and moving it over and putting it in front of my hotel door room, you know, just one little extra piece of security sure. before going to sleep at night. But um, I just want to thank you so much for your prayers because I am so grateful. Nothing happened to me. Nothing happened to my family. It was an amazing trip. And we connected with the people in such a short time in such a meaningful way. Very specifically, India Partners, like I said, is is working to bring an end to sex trafficking. So I literally walked through the red light district, two different red light districts in Mumbai. I was within feet of the pimps and the brothel owners. And I sat on the floor with the women who are in the trade. And, you know, these women, they can't get out of the trade without you and me. They have no hope of their life being any different unless 
somebody responds to what's happening, somebody who can step in and make a difference. And so these ministries on the ground, I got to tell you, I have so much love and respect for the people who are doing what they're doing. The people with boots on the ground, I was up close and personal and what they're doing is amazing and having such powerful impact. There are ministries that come in and it's like, um, I mean, they come in and they abstract, They, they take, they rescue, they rescue the women who are, who are in the trade. Um, that's not what the ministry that I was with does. They come alongside the women in relationship. They educate them. They train them. They come alongside the pimps and the brothel owners, and they build relationship with them. They improve the community by putting in public bathrooms. They don't have a bathroom in their home. Most of the homes in, in Mumbai in these areas that we're in don't have bathrooms. So you have to walk like a mile to use a restroom in the middle of the night. If you wake up and you have to use a restroom, you have to walk a mile to find a public restroom and go to the bathroom. So this ministry is coming in and doing all kinds of beautiful things to provide relationship and education and training and counseling and an opportunity to encounter God, to know the God who sees them and who loves them. And I just want to say from my heart to yours, I know I've been gone a long time. There was my vacation to Australia and then this trip to India. I just want to thank you so much for allowing me this time away and for praying for me last week. God is working in India and and it was my job to go and to see it firsthand and to come back to tell you the stories. And I am, I promise you, I'm going to tell you the stories of the way that God's working through people like you and me who've literally chosen to commit their lives to be in the red light district, to be among those who are sex trafficked and to see it come to an end. So I just want to invite you to keep praying with me, join me in praying for them, for those in the ministry and for those in the trade who worked last night. Pray that that they would meet the God who loves them and they would be set free, not just from sex trading and not just in this lifetime, but that they would experience a freedom that lasts for all eternity, that they would know the God who loves them, that they would love him back and that they would live for him. You know, maybe like me, you're hearing a lot about Christians who are deconstructing their faith and actually walking away from faith. And it's it's sort of a phenomenon mm. right now, but it's always been around, really, uh, deconstructing your faith. It's destructive only if you walk away from Jesus, mm. but it doesn't have to be destructive. I have deconstructed parts of my faith that really don't have anything to do with the gospel. And so it can be the journey of getting rid of things that have nothing to do with Jesus so that your life in Jesus gets stronger. Yeah. That's what we want to do. Yeah, shaking off religion and finding mm. the yeah. truth. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Tim Keller in his article, Reconstructing Faith, says, maybe you have had your faith shaken when a leader you respected turned out to be a big-time hypocrite. This is one of the reasons people are walking away from the faith is mm. because of big-time hypocrites. So that leader was living a double life, in secret, indulging in dark desires, while publicly condemning the sins they were committing. Mm. 
maybe the leader you respected turned out to be power hungry or manipulative, you know, power plays or greedy for money or into, I don't know, $1,000 sunglasses or $2,000 sneakers. If you've experienced the hypocrisy of a leader, you're just going to be dis- disillusioned. You just are. Right. It's, it's, it's just, it's a non-negotiable. It's going to happen. I think we see people who have great insights from the Bible and seem to be living the life that we want to live in close proximity with the Lord. And, and so we think, that's what I'm going after. Like, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And then when we realize that they struggle with sin, <laughs> it's deflating. It's like, well, maybe what I long for isn't possible because I struggle with sin too. So now like they're just like me. Sure. But then there's an, there's a whole nother level. I mean, we, we struggle with sin and we want to be, we want to be honest about that. Right. You know, we're, we've got feet of clay. I've got feet of clay, you know, and then there's like the person that, that was living a completely other kind of life. Mm-hmm. Like, con- like continuing to walk in sin and not wrestle. Yeah. But and, just seem to, it seems to embrace it. And it just completely hiding, it, mm-hmm. you know, has a yeah. public persona and a private that are very, very different. Right. So I think maybe there's a little bit of difference there. But at any rate, when you find that out, you're just going to be disillusioned. Mm-hmm. So I want to normalize that for you. But as the Scottish preacher Robert McShane points out in a sermon, what have I to do with idols? He says, it's legitimate to love ministers, but ah, make not an idol of them. That's it. Yep. McShane is referring to the story in Acts 14 where the crowds begin to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods because Paul performs a miracle. And when they turn out to not be gods, they turn on them and try to kill them. It happens within the course of a few minutes. Yeah. I love you. I hate you. Exactly. (laughs) Welcome to the ministry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, being really sad and disappointed and hurt over a fallen leader is natural. But if my faith completely evaporates over it, it may be that my faith was more in the leader than in Jesus himself. Mm, Right. Maybe I was worshiping the leader when I should have been worshiping Jesus. No doubt leaders should be held to a high standard. The Bible talks about that. You know, here are the qualifications for a leader. It's a high bar. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. It's a high bar. It should be. But this is at the core of where I'm coming from. Any leader is capable of any sin. Yeah. And I know this 100% because I'm capable (laughs) of any sin. Right. And so I don't want to be overly disillusioned when some leader falls face plants in a big, big way. Mm because I know what's in me. So, you know. Yeah, it really comes down to keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. I want to make this really personal because we often talk about, I think we did in this bit, Timothy Keller. He's always bringing the goods. Like, we love that guy. He has so much great insight. And he is an example of someone who finished really, really well, lived his life, you know, in such a way that, that we could see Jesus through the way that he loved and the way that he engaged with people and, 
man, the way that he speaks of the gospel, it's just like he brings a fresh light on familiar texts and really challenges us. So I know we talk about Tim Keller a lot and we talk very highly of him. So there's an example where we need to make sure that he is always causing us to fall more and more in love with Jesus instead of us falling more and more in love with with him. Yeah. Yeah. So we only want to worship one person. That's Jesus. And when I was, when I was in school back in, when I was in my twenties and I was going to, to graduate school, we went to a church in Springfield, Missouri, and the pastor fell morally, Mm. you know, got into an affair with a woman in the church. And it, it was, it was a shock, but my faith wasn't in him. I loved that guy. I still love that guy and, and things, you know, we're able to be, you know, reconciled. There are always consequences, but I just remember saying to our small group, you know, this is what has happened here is why Jesus had to come. Right. And so if, you know, you've been disillusioned by a leader who was living a double life and you feel like, man, I'm just going to throw this all away. Don't walk away from Jesus. Man, don't walk away from Jesus. That leader should have should have towed the line. Should have said, "Hey, follow me as I follow Christ." I don't want to minimize that because I want to be able to say, "Follow me as I follow Christ," and I'm going to be honest with you about my failings and my shortcomings. But if a leader has disillusioned you because of their failure, please don't walk away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Instead, throw yourself on Jesus because He can heal your heart. And he can deepen your worship of him and make you stronger and more solid and more robust in your life in him. It's not worth throwing it all away because of some hypocrite. Last week I was in Mumbai. I was there with India Partners, had the privilege of walking the red light district. And there was... We had prayer teams. We asked you to pray for us as we went there. And when we were on our way back, uh, one of the persons who was on our team had a prayer team member that she was on the phone with in the airport in Zurich, Switzerland. We're making our way back to the States. And she put her on speakerphone and she said, I just wanted to share with you something. While I was praying for you guys, I saw an image and I wanted to tell you about it. So she said she could see a, a huge rock It was very dark, but this light, as she walked closer and closer to the rock, this crack started to appear in the rock. And it was like, it was like the light was cutting through the darkness. Mm -hmm. And as she walked into the rock and through the rock, this light kept shining and kept shining and kept shining. And I just want to share with you, thank you so much for being a part of the prayer team, because when she shared that image with us, I thought... That is exactly what I experienced. Mm -hmm. I thought as I walked down the streets of the red light district in Mumbai that I would feel fearful and that I would sense the darkness. But what I saw happen as I walked down the street, there's concrete buildings on either side of you and there are women sitting in plastic chairs outside of their rooms. This was in the middle of the day. So this is not while the trade is happening. That's usually happening during the night. But as we walked through, the women, they their faces looked lifeless mm-hmm. and, and sad. But as we walked through, they kind of lit up. And I felt like 
not because there's anything special about us Americans who showed up in India, but but because we have Jesus Christ in us, because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we were literally just walking the streets and bringing light into the darkness. Yeah, well, Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world, but he also said to us, you, you are, are the, the, light, of the light of the world. And so the light shines in the darkness. Yeah. You know, in John 1, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so it sounds to me like you were experiencing the power of the light overcoming the darkness, you know, as you walk through. Absolutely. And the fact that the Lord gave that image to one of the partners on the prayer team and that she was able to relay that to us. And immediately I was reminded of that journey, that walk through the red light district and how that felt, how I could see light coming into the dark place. Mm -hmm. That is an extreme example. And I don't know where today is going to take you. I don't know what workplace you walk into or what relationships you walk into, but there is a darkness in the world that we live in today. And God is light and you are the light of the world and the Holy Spirit living in you. Every place that you walk today, you bring the light and the life of Christ. So let's just fix our eyes on him this morning. Let's worship him for who he is. Be reminded of his power and of his joy. And let's be his light today. And if God has put in your heart a God dream, a dream for his kingdom to, I don't know, bring his life to your world, finish the work, Keep going. Don't give up. It's going to make a difference. So don't stop. Mm. I'm excited to share with you that I'm headed to Nashville next week to record a couple of new songs. Ooh, that's very exciting. And my heart in this, in recording these songs, is that God would be massively magnified Mm. and that he would, and that we would realize more deeply as Jesus followers that we're in the world for the sake of the world. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. Jesus has redeemed us for the sake of the world, blessed to be a blessing. So last year when I released uh, one of my songs, Crashed Into Grace, I didn't know what to expect, but it did so well. And I got so much praise and kudos, even from quote unquote, really important people. And it puffed up my heart. I just got to be honest. And I suddenly realized that something that I set out to do for God I had made all about me. Mm -hmm. I hate it when I do that Mm -hmm. because I do that. I think we all battle that. You know, I remember very specifically, the first thing that comes to mind for me is times when I would lead worship. And I'm telling you, my heart's motivation was like, Lord, I just want you to be honored. I want people to come into your presence, which is a pure, great motive. And there were times I'd literally be up on the platform and I'd be like, Wow, that riff sounded really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just sneaks right in. Our humanity does. I hit that note so impressively. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, Lord, forgive me. Yuck. It's, mm-hmm. you know, help me to just keep my eyes focused on you. Yeah. So I took six months to reset, mm. to put the recording stuff on hold. And honestly, I didn't know if I could ever do it again because it's so easy to make it about me. And I wrestled and wrestled and I had so many really great conversations with people that I respect Mm. and just helped me through the whole thing. But as I wrestled with my idol, 
the Holy Spirit did his beautiful, powerful work of changing my heart and causing it to beat once again for God's glory. And I know there's going to be more resets needed because I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm not, I haven't arrived, but, but I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm pressing toward what it is ahead, but I know that I'm going to have to continue to reset, but go ahead. How did, but you've stepped back in, you're going to head to Nashville next week. You've got more songs to do. How did you know that it was okay to do that? Where did the release come? You know, I just, I just continued to press in. And again, I talked with some very trusted friends and was very open about my struggle. And it was just coming to the place where, of peace, of peace that, you know what, this, this season of wrestling is done. And Perry, I've done this work in your heart Mm -hmm. and good job. You know, you needed to, needed to wrestle through that. And my best friend, I got together, I think with my best friend, the doc, we got together over in Granville and, and he just shared some life giving words for me. He talked about, you know, Paul and you know, how Paul wrote those letters and probably maybe struggled with some, some self absorbed thoughts too. Mm but said, what if Paul had not written those letters? Mm. You know, so it was just the right time to hear that. And it was just coming to a place of peace that it's time. It's time yeah. to step back in. So during those months of wrestling, the Lord brought to mind a song that I had written when I was 23 years old. Oh, wow. Thy kingdom. Come. So long ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Don't Sorry, make, it was there. Don't make me come you over there. You teed it up, man. <laughs> don't make me come over there. That's awesome. Okay, so this, tell me about the song. Yeah, it's a song about surrendering my earthly dreams for the sake of Christ. So hmm. I had the struggle then. Right. And I sang it and sang it and sang it last year just to the Lord. Wow. You know? Yeah, that's how it resurfaced, that it was just yeah. became like your own prayer, your anthem. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Yeah. Because it's all about you, Lord. You wrote that? It's all about you. (laughs) I am coming over there. I am coming over there. Did nobody give you a hard time while I was gone? (laughs) Yeah, they did. Okay. I threatened Scott many times and Ben a few times about coming over there. So... I finally, I finally got them in line. And yeah. So I see I need to and do that. And here I'm with, back and you got more work to do. I see I need to do that with you. But anyway, and now I know I'm supposed to record it again for a new generation. That's awesome. Because we know how long ago that was. <laughs> All those people are dead. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm just barely alive. Uh, oh, I can't wait to hear it, Perry. I'm super excited. So here's the, here's... Here's a lyric from the second verse and the chorus, all right? Okay. Baptize, this is a prayer. Mm. Baptize me in your all-consuming fire. Create in me a heart with one desire. I give to you my earthly quest for fame. My earnest prayer is to bring glory to your name. Mm. That's the that's the verse and the chorus. I am a man who is wanting now to go. So, Lord, please break me so your spirit now can flow. Oh, hear your servant's prayer. I'm waiting to obey. Mm-hmm. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth today. Love it. Yeah. And so as I sang it and sang it and sang it, I was able to to get back to the heart of worship. And so what God did in me, I want this to do for others who will hear it. So That's awesome. I'm excited for you, and we'll be praying for you as you step back into the studio. I know that's a, a work of love. Mm-hmm. It's work. It <laughs> it's, is. it's work. Yeah. But, you know, just like you had said about it, what if Paul had not written those letters, even just your own wrestling as that comes through the spirit of the song that, you know, when you wrote it, when you were 23, sure, you wrestled, but there's so much more now. Yeah. There's so much more story. There's so much more life and experience that is poured into the communication of that song. Like as you sing it, it's almost like there's a different sound. Sure. When I wrote it when I was 23, it was like, okay, here's something I've learned, but this is something I'm going to be learning for the rest of my journey. Hmm. And I feel like I can sing it now more authentically, not perfectly, obviously, because I still have self-glory in my heart, but I can sing it more authentically. Mm -hmm. And so pray that this new version of Thy Kingdom Come will help this generation realize that joy is never found Man, joy is never found in earthly applause, trophies that rust, and a million views on YouTube, 401ks, our career, the best relationship you can envision. That's not where the joy is found. Joy is found in being furiously loved by God. Furiously loved by God. And furiously loving as he has loved us. I have no idea who will end up being awakened to real joy through this song. Oh, hold it. With one exception. One person. Me. Hmm. Well, just three short days ago, it's kind of wild to think about it. I was in Mumbai. I guess four days ago I was in Mumbai because on Saturday I was doing a whole lot of traveling. But last week I was in Mumbai, India and had the time of my life, which sounds crazy if you know what I was doing there. I was with a ministry called India Partners and we had the opportunity to meet with women who are being sex trafficked to sit with them and love on them. I'm a hugger. And so I had to ask permission. I was like, is it okay if I give hugs? And they said, yeah, you can give hugs. So I did. And as I hugged on the women, I would just, I just held them a little bit longer and prayed silently over them, you know, as I gave each one a hug. Did any of them know English at all? The women that we met in the trade did not speak English. They are not yet educated. So the ministry that we were with is actually doing that work of teaching them to write their name and teaching them to read, teaching them the alphabet, starting at the beginning, but eventually, you know, giving them an education and, and teaching them English. That's part of it. But the children in India spoke English very, very well. I mean, you know, broken with an accent, but they understood and could speak English impressively. Mm. So, but one of the ministries there's several different aspects to the ministry. And one of them is they have live-in centers for children whose moms are in the sex trade. So moms, they still have the custody of their child, but they just make the very difficult choice for 
to allow their children to move into one of these homes and to live far away from where they live. So these homes are not located in the red light district. They're they're far away. <laughs> but they make that choice for them so that they can be safe from the men who are trafficking these women and so that they'll have food to eat, so they have the opportunity to learn English, to go to school, to get an education, to to get out of the sex trade. Inevitably, if these moms didn't give these children the opportunity to live far away, the girls would definitely end up yeah, it's in just the sex a, trade. It's just a cycle right. of darkness. So there was four different homes. There's one for boys of all ages. There's one for girls ages 4 to 12. There were 13 girls there. There's one for girls 13 to 17, about 13 girls there. And then there was one for girls 18 to 23. And there's only two girls in that home right now because they've they just established that brand new home to help them to get to stay with the ministry while they get their college education in and get their feet under them. At 18, they're not yet ready to be on their own, released. So it's it's a beautiful thing. And they have wardens that live with them. That's what they call them as wardens, which sounds kind of cold. They're more like mentors and spiritual leaders and moms, in a way, to these girls. In this small girl's home, it's a four-to-one ratio. So every four girls that living in the home, there's an adult that cares for them and loves on them. And the children, oh my goodness, they are so smart. They are so full of joy, bright eyes, beautiful, beautiful girls with giggles and dreams and just what you would expect in a classroom full of girls, right? But there was also um, a teen hostel and we got to be there and spend the day with them. And this is one of the highlights for me. The girls shared their talents with us. There was one girl that could play the guitar, another that was on the keys and the rest of them gathered around and they sang for us. And I didn't understand the lyrics. I didn't know what they were singing because they weren't speaking in English or they weren't singing in English. But I'm telling you, it was obvious that they were worshiping and I was moved to tears by their worship. You just could tell that they believed, they believed at the, in the depths of their being what they were singing. So I did get moved to tears while they were singing, but when they were done, I asked if they could share some of the lyrics for us in English so that I would understand a little bit. And they shared them with us. The lyrics were, you've always been with me. You are my rock. In the storms of this life, I will cling to you, my rock. In the storms that are still yet to come in my life, I will stand on my rock. And it was just, you could tell these girls have had and are having a real experience with the living Jesus and walking out life with him. They danced for us. They did the church clap. Are you familiar with the church clap? I'm not. My son is a youth pastor, and he's done this with his kids at camp. It's a line dance, really fun, fun dance. They did the church clap. I got to tell you, they they really outdid the American kids that I've seen do it. They really, really danced the church clap really, really well. But they showed us um, their libraries, and we're excited about the books that they've read. They showed us their paintings. They're such a talented group of people. But one of my favorite parts of the time in the youth hostel with the teenagers was that they gave us henna tattoos. And if you don't know what that is, it's they're not permanent, but it's um, a dye that they use to artistically draw on your hands and your arms. And as they were doing that, it was just such an opportunity to be up close and personal with these young women to have appropriate physical touch as they held my hand and mm-hmm. held my arms and drew these beautiful artwork all over my hands. And 
as they were doing so, I was just silently praying over them. But then before we left that day, I got to pray out loud over the group. They prayed over us in their own language. And then I got to pray over them in English. And I just asked the Lord to, I thanked him for being the God who's with them, for being their rock, for being the God who loves them and sees them and has good plans for their lives and that he would heal their brokenness and that he would make them whole. And I prayed protection over them. I prayed for joy for their hearts. I prayed that they would know their value as daughters of the King. And these beautiful young women, where they're living right now, they're getting an education, they're reading books, they're falling in love with Jesus, and they're being discipled in their faith. They're becoming such strong women of prayer and of the word. And so I do just want to invite you to join me in praying for them as they grow. Join me in praying that other girls like them can be brought into these homes so they can be rescued from the red light district. And join me in praying for, for God's will to come and his will to be done in the red light districts of Mumbai. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. You matter to him. Sean, I know you have shared very openly on the show that one of the core lies that you have believed in and now are aware of is that it would be better for you if you weren't in the room. Mm -hmm. It would be better for you if, if you weren't here, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever here is. Right. And I know that God has really helped you to, to know that that is a lie, Mm -hmm. but that can feel, it has to be so hard to, to, think, you know, I don't belong here. You know, people would be better off if I weren't here. Mm -hmm. And I know just people in my own life who have that struggle, who have that lie. And so, you know, somebody listening right now, I'm sure they resonate with that, that the world would be better off if I weren't here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a struggle that brought me to the point where in my early twenties, I made a plan to take my own life. I believed the lie that much that I thought the people that I loved the most would be better off without me. And let me tell you, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. And here's why I know it's a lie. Because I spend time with the truth. The truth has set me free from the lie. Mm -hmm. And the truth is all the days planned for you were written in his book before even one of them came to be. God has good plans for you, plans for you to make an impact in the world around you for the good, for his glory. He sees you. He loves you. They're all teed up. We just get to walk with him in in love relationship, and he opens up opportunities for us daily to make a difference in the world for him, for the kingdom of God. Yeah, so if that's your struggle, you think the world would be better off without you, just know that... Yeah, it's a lie. Jesus Christ sees you. I have a really, really good friend, my suffering friend, and he just in many ways is inconsolable, but I've just learned to to walk with him and say, you know what, brother, you matter to me, and I'm in your corner, mm-hmm. and I believe in you, and you're going to get better. You know, just being able to speak words of life like that to somebody who's struggling, it'll make all the difference. 
so good. His desire for you, he's such a good dad. He wants you to live the abundant life free. He came so that you would be set free. I was in India last week, and one of the things that really I'm still wrestling with this, I got a lot of processing to do about this in particular, but the places that we were to see people who had so little and then to come home. Saturday night, I woke up in the middle of the night and just thought, I'm in this bed with sheets, two pillows, a blanket, a comforter. It it just all felt so over the top Mm -hmm. compared to where I came from. And I'm wrestling with that. And I I think the Lord Mm -hmm. is wanting me to wrestle with it. Like, it's good that I feel the way that I feel and I want to get to the bottom of it. But part of it is the things that I would call creature comforts. I'm starting to see as bondage. Mm. Get in the way. Getting in the way. And and what could I do? You know, if I were to sell these things, if I were to live a simpler life, if I were to just scale down, how generous would I be able to be and what kind of impact would I be able to have and how much freedom would I experience if I wasn't contained by all these things, if mm-hmm. I wasn't held by all these things. Yeah, it is good to wrestle with that. Yeah, really I've got some work to do. I'm going to be praying through it. I'm going to be meeting with the Lord and and walking through what that looks like as I walk it out. But the God who loves you, there's all kinds of ways that we feel held in bondage. Maybe for you, you just keep revisiting things that you did in your past, mm-hmm. things that you did that hurt the heart of God and maybe even hurt other people. Yep. And And you just, you live there. It comes back again and again and again. It shapes your days. And the Lord wants to set you free from that. The Lord wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to experience the freedom of walking in the truth. And he is the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way to freedom. He is the truth that sets you free. And he is the abundant life. So this morning, just fix your eyes on him. Let the Lord speak truth over you and let him show you the way. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.